Welcome to the Wandering Toward Wisdom podcast, a part of the Tactical Faith podcast network. Uh, check out our site at tacticalfaith.com for blogs, the TF Radio podcast. Um, also, we're all volunteers here using our own uh, time and money to keep this thing running. If you'd like to help us, feel free to donate on our website. Well, Joel and I are beginning a new series here, which is ultimately a kind of reflection on the way we look at theology, philosophy, and apologetics, um, which covers just about everything I understand. Uh, it was spurred on a bit by two relatively famous YouTubers who, who described recently how they slowly lost their faith in Christ. We're going to try to approach this issue a little differently, though, than most of what we've seen. This episode is simply an introduction. Uh, it cuts off kind of abruptly because it was part of a far longer conversation, and I just needed to end it at the point. Um, this short intro tells a little about where we're going and also includes a hint uh, of a prep. Um, Joel and I are both philosophers who enjoy finding what is good and right, even the even in those uh, with whom we disagree dramatically. I personally have studied Nietzsche and credit his work as a means by which God has uh, actually worked to maintain my own faith. The general sense that either I must hold with rigid certainty to every belief I hold, otherwise I'll fall into some sort of postmodern skeptical nightmare, is we think, a kind of dangerous way to live. It excludes us from the capacity for learning, for seeing glimpses of rich truth even among those we deem to be hopelessly lost, and hides us from our own failings, or hides from us our own failings, I should say. In turn, it obscures what is most important in our Christian faith so that uh, sometimes I think we might find ourselves straining out gnats and swallowing camels. In fact, the church in the U.S. has, in a lot of ways, choked enough that perhaps we should be keeping our eyes out for camels. So we'll be saying a good bit about what we think uh, these two have, these two famous YouTubers who have rejected the faith, uh, what they have right. But do not worry, we will get to what we think they have got wrong. Uh, but we think their error lies deeper than where most people have criticized them and deeper, really, than where most people even try to engage them. In fact, deeper than most apologetic, apologetic strategies even attempt to reach. Now, can Joel and I dig that deep? Hopefully. Uh, we can at least point to that depth and maybe say a few words about how the central doctrines of Christianity uh, image and protect deep and important values that most everyone agrees are important, but cannot clearly explain because they have no grounding for them. The greatest of these is, of course, love. So... That's the ground we're seeking to cover. Come see if we can get there. Welcome back to Wandering Toward Wisdom, podcast in the Tactical Faith Podcast Network. This week we're going to start on a new series. And this series is somewhat of a response to uh, something that kind of was a big deal on the Christian internet in the last couple um, months or so. A response to the comedic duo of Rhett and Link and their deconversion uh, experiences that they did podcast episodes on of, on their Ear Biscuits podcast. Um, if you listen to their their episodes, they each have their own experience, and we're going to address some of that. But what we're wanting to do with this is not to talk about Rhett and Link and you know, try and figure out, play armchair psychologists and figure out what's going on in their heads. What we want to do is we want to try and say, how can apologetics 
address something like this and not necessarily apologetics in the way we think we typically think of it but maybe uh leading towards a new approach to apologetics right there, there seems to be uh two possible responses to uh these deconstruction stories one could be just direct uh, ev- uh argument arguments based on evidence and proofs and so on and so forth going through the various issues that are that are brought up even though there's not a lot of issue specific issues that are that are mentioned. There's a few, um, uh, and then the other response can be uh, assuming some sort of motive underlying their activity. So they started getting famous. They moved to Los Angeles. They weren't really Christians in the first place, so on and so forth. We're going to try to avoid both of those. Uh, we may end up running into a couple of these as we go along, but our goal is actually to to, to try to give them the benefit of the doubt and to try to understand really to, to try to say a little bit more about what Christianity is. In fact, uh, the, the, the primary goal isn't really to respond to Rhett and Link, even though we're going to spend a lot of time right. doing that. We're using it as a jumping off point to get into something about the nature of evaluative outlooks. And really almost all of our podcasts so far, going back to the stuff that was probably pretty hard to follow in our first few episodes when we were trying <laughs> things out through the seven deadly sins and so on, it's all been reflecting this issue of, not about the collection of a set of propositions about you know what is true and false about the world, but what is fundamental uh, isn't even the things we do. What is fundamental is the way we see things. That drives our motives. That creates different kinds of perceptions, within, which then forms different kinds of forms of knowledge. So part of what we want to try to do with, with this is to try to look a little bit about how Christian, really what they got right in a lot of respects but respond and say that this doesn't mean that Christianity is false. But what does it mean? Let's begin there. Let's talk about this deconstruction, this whole idea of deconstruction, because they keep using this phrase all the time, this deconstruction of, their, of, the, Christ, of the Christian faith and of their faith. Um, what exactly, what, are there things that we can say, hey, this is what Rhett and Link got right. Here's where we should say we should agree with them. Here, you know. Where should we go from here? Well, first, I think it might be helpful to get clear on what's meant by deconstruction. Um, you know, it's a phrase that's thrown around a lot. It it, it has, you know, some roots in uh, French existentialism, but we're not going to worry so much about that as much as how is it typically used today. And when it's used with respect to Uh, one's faith, it's usually saying, I've got questions, and these questions are tearing away parts of what I thought were fundamental to my faith, Um, or maybe not fundamental, but important parts of my faith, things that I always thought. And um, often when one deconstructs their faith, they end up saying, they end up feeling like there isn't much, if anything, there worth holding on to. Um, now, I want to push back a little bit there before we even start and say deconstruction isn't doesn't have to be a bad thing. Uh, one thing that I've encountered as a philosophy professor is a, um, a sense of cynicism, not, not just skepticism, but cynicism that what I'm going to do as a philosophy professor is to destroy someone's faith, even if I hold that faith myself. And that's not at all what my goal was as a professor. My goal was to get people to ask questions and to come to 
understand the beliefs for themselves so that their faith was their own and not what they had always been taught or whatever. And I told students, you if you end up with the same views that you walked into this class with, but you have good a good understanding of it and you, you see what it means uh, more clearly, then we've had a good class. And that's what, what I think we have to be clear about when we talk, start talking about questioning uh, elements of, of our faith is that we're not looking to undermine faith. What we're trying to do is we're trying to get more clear and have a better understanding and see what's all involved when we're talking about what it means to be a Christian. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people, and I've experienced this in some students uh, when I was teaching in a Bible college, uh, um, as well as elsewhere, that there are some who hold to their, their, their belief is almost like uh, the system that they hold, all the doctrines that they hold, are like a are like a brittle window, and if one piece goes out, it all begins to shatter. And there's a sense where we don't. There are things that are central to the Christian faith that if you if you reject this, you can't be counted as a believer. But we're going to need to talk about how that is, why that is the case. Like, why are these doctrines so central? Why do these doctrines have to be embraced? At least if you understand them, I wouldn't expect a five year old to understand. In fact, I'm not sure anyone fully understands the Trinity. Right. Um, but to reject the Trinity is uh, is a uh, obviously causes you to be a heretic and not really within the Christian fold. So, um, uh, but but to reject it because you misunderstand it is a different thing. So right. so part of what we want to we we don't want that kind of rigidity where we have a bunch of like secondary and tertiary doctrines that you're holding, you're clinging to so tightly that if one of those gets thrown out, suddenly the whole faith begins to fall apart. And we also want to get clear on what does it mean to hold these doctrines? Um, or is it just a matter of, of saying, you know, someone says this sentence and you're like, check, I believe that. Or is there more going on with that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the things that we, we do want to look at too is, is therefore then the way the doctrines are tied to the way that we perceive the world. So I think this is in some way skipping, skipping to the end. And I, it's not, but it's not really a spoiler because this will sound like church answer platitudes. But the question is, how are all these doctrines tied to the idea of love? Um, one of the things that Rhett and Link bring up over and over again is the desire to have love be the central issue. And they see, and this is curious, they see their Christian beliefs as undermining their capacity to love properly. If I heard something stated in there fairly clearly, I felt like that was it. Uh, that was one of the main, one of the main issues. So does Christianity limit your capacity to love? Uh, if it, if it does, there, then either Christianity is fundamentally inconsistent and there's a serious problem in it, or you're not seeing something correctly, Right. <laughs> right? I would dare say it's a ladder because there are ways even in which the doctrines of Christianity are tied to the evaluative outlook that that is the foundation of loving, without which you cannot love. Right. And so, or I, maybe I should say this, without which belief that love is valuable makes, holds you, makes you hold an inconsistent worldview. So I guess what I'm saying, this is sort of skipping to the end in some ways, if you don't believe in the doctrines of Christianity, then you cannot believe that love is of 
you, you cannot, in a stable, comfortable, philosophical way, hold love to be of any value. At, at least, if we're going, I mean, we, we should probably be clear on what we mean by love. And yes. what, what we mean by love is, is a is a self-giving, genuine desire for the best of another. Yes, and there's gonna that's where we're gonna require some qualification because if if there's someone who's not a Christian out there listening to this, not an Orthodox Christian out there listening to this, they're gonna say you're full of it and this is stupid. But I, it, I there will be explanation of that to come. We're trying to avoid the rigidity. We're trying to avoid obsession with secondary and tertiary doctrines that causes when there's questions there, everything falls apart. But we're also trying to avoid just straight up what's true for you is true for you or, you know, whatever, that sort of thing, which uh, I looked at a lot of the responses to, to their, to their claim and it's used their, uh, their presentations of this in their podcast and the YouTube videos and so forth. And the responses were something like everyone is on their own spiritual journey. And you shouldn't criticize anyone on their spiritual journey. And I'm like, I, I mean, I don't know if criticize is the right word, but everybody's on their own spiritual. I don't know if that's true. And I don't know what that means. So journey, where are we going anywhere? Um, the point is we don't want that rigidity where we have tertiary beliefs that we hold too rigidly. And if that thing is, if that thing, if, I, if there's some evidence against that, my whole belief, my whole faith in Christ falls apart. But we also don't want the whatever, man. Right. And, 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 uh, you know, to, as Travis has said, we're, we want to be generous in our understanding of Rhett and Link. We want to try to give them the benefit of the doubt wherever we can, as much as we can. And so, you know, on, on that theme, when, when they're saying that we're all on our spiritual journey, I think they're right in that we're all searching for something, whether we want to admit it or not. Um, and the idea of criticizing, I mean, we're this is part of why we're trying to be generous and when we say when they say we you know you can't criticize anyone it's on one hand at least i tend to kind of agree with them but i think that if you're really on a spiritual journey it's not something you're going to do by yourself you're going to bring other people along and when you're taking that kind of journey with other people other people can meaningfully speak into your life and what might be understood as a criticism yeah, I mean, it's we don't want it just to just be angry criticism, and really, we're not really responding to them. It's not like they're going to hear us, but uh, but in but many ways, do, we're happy to come on your podcast and talk through this with you. <laughs> Absolutely, we'll even bring some great coffee, and I'll bring some ghost peppers to eat since you guys seem to be into that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, but part of this, I, it's it's sort of a what would a Christian response be to to this and. A lot of this, ha- I mean, a lot of this is going to connect with a lot of different issues, including, I mean, you might, you might start thinking these people are more critical of Christianity and apologetics than they are referring to us. You might think that we're more critical of Christianity and of apologetics, the way that we do apologetics, than we are of Rhett and Link. And you might be right. <laughs> yeah, you may be, you may be right to some extent because uh, you're, you're going to hear a lot, there's going to be a lot of uh, uh, throwing the bathwater out. And we're going to try not to throw any babies out while we're at it. But I think there's a lot of bathwater in Christianity for us to, to, or in, in the, not in Christianity, but in, in Christian culture and the church that would be good for us to take a look at and to be critical of, because I think it may be undermining. And we've talked about this to some extent, right? Our, our episode on Cedia on sloth, 
we talked about how even the way that we present the gospel encourages spiritual apathy. It encourages a spiritual sadness because salvation is about getting stuff rather than being called to be some to be someone and to do something. And so uh, that's what we're going to get into. So so bear with us. It's going to sound like we're being really mean to Christians, but we we are Christians. So uh, you know we can be mean to each other. Not mean, but we can be critical of one another. We are to judge those inside the church. First Corinthians five. Um, but uh, for the sake of salvation. So that's that's what our aim is. Mm-hmm.